We're talking about how faith is a rest. The walk of faith. We are to live by faith. We walk by faith. It's a rest. We're never to walk in stress and in worry. We're to always walk in rest. The walk of faith is a rest. If you're stressed, you're not in faith. Well, you might be in faith a little bit. Nope, you're not in faith at all. Because when you're in faith, you're at rest. The definition of rest is you have ceased from your own works and now you're simply only working out what he's working in. You're allowing the faith in your heart to motivate all of your actions. So now you are truly walking in Christ. You already are in Christ because his spirit lives in you. But you walk in him as you walk by faith, fully persuaded that what he said he'll bring to pass. So last week we started out, I just want to review a couple scriptures. If you're taking notes and you didn't get them last week, you could write them down. We're not going to take the time to turn to all of them. The first one is Jeremiah 10, verse 23. This to me is a foundational scripture in walking by the faith of God. You have to know this principle. It says, oh Lord, I know, I know, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. Isn't that interesting? God created man not to direct his own steps. God created man to live in such intimate relationship with himself that the God of heaven would direct man's steps. Proverbs chapter 3 brings out how we walk this out. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6, we went over this last week. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So, to walk by faith, you have to realize it's not in me to figure out my own way. The Lord must direct my steps. And so now I got to know the Lord so I can trust him with all of my heart. Then it goes on to say, and lean not into your own understanding. So I trust in him with all of my heart I'm not relying on my own understanding. I'm not trying to figure it out. Does that make sense? And in all my ways, I'm acknowledging him. So that means in every one of my ways in my life, I always consider him. Considering him is considering his word. So I literally, in all my ways, I'm looking to the word of God to direct me. The Bible says, if I lean not into my own understanding, and in all my ways, right? In all my ways, I acknowledge him. It says, then he shall direct my paths. In other words, as I trust in him with all my heart, as I don't lean on my own understanding, as I acknowledge him in all my ways, I've now positioned myself for him to direct my paths. That is called the walk of faith. It's a, it's a flow. You don't have to figure it out. You're not trying to win. 
We're not trying to succeed. We don't, we don't, we're not concerned about succeeding because we've already won. We are already a success. The Bible says we've already, in, in Christ, we're already a world overcomer. So now, because of who I am in Christ, everything has to come in line with that. And as I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he just adds everything to me. As I delight in the Lord, he just brings and gives me the desires of my heart, which is, it's literally expressions of his will, and I walk out his will. It's a flow. It's not mechanical. The walk of faith is a walk of relationship. Once you realize that it's not in me to know my own way, what happens now is I become completely dependent upon him. And in this place is where you start walking by faith. The key to fulfilling what God has called you to do is I will submit myself in humility to completely depend on him. That now I'm positioned for him to be able to move me and guide me and lead me into all the truth. And it, it, the Bible says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter and brighter to the full day. It, it increases more and more and more, both for me and my children. Isn't that awesome? As I walk through life, I fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. Surely goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. And I'm going to live and dwell with God forever. Trusting God will show you which way to go and show you what steps to take. If you're not trusting God, if you're trusting yourself, he can't. Right? Do you see that? This is, this is why Christians should be the most peaceful, joy-filled, excited people on the planet. Because we know that the God of the universe is guiding my life. Wow. Trusting God causes you to overcome and walk through times of trouble and difficulty while you're at peace and at rest. It all comes back to trusting him. But you have to realize, I've got to live my life completely dependent upon him. Trusting God is having complete confidence and dependence on God and not on anyone or anything else. I'm completely dependent upon him. And that is going to be the fight of faith, to stay at rest. Because your flesh is going to want to figure it out. If there's part of your unrenewed mind, you're going to want to take control and, and figure this out. If you, if you don't put God's word first, you're going to get in fear. Because the minute fellowship is broken, it brings fear into your life. The minute you start considering your life, it dulls you spiritually. So we want to see the Holy Spirit will literally keep you in a place to where now you're walking like Jesus walked. My meat, my nourishment, my strength, Father, is to do your will and to finish your plan. Man, I'm telling you, a man who, will, who lives their life going, my strength, my nourishment, everything is about me walking in your will and finishing your work. God can get everything over to that individual. It's, a, it's the road of faith.
Trusting God, as we said last week again, is based on knowledge of him. As your knowledge of him grows, your trust in him grows. As your knowledge of him grows and your trust in him grows, your faith will grow and develop. It all works together. In other words, faith in God, confidence in God, it's all based, all of it is based on relationship. It's not based on what you do. It's not about you. It's all about him. Because if you get to be where it's all about you, pretty soon you're going to start beating yourself up. You're going to start getting worried. There's going to be guilt, shame, and condemnation. You're going to start listening to the wrong things. And eventually, it'll start to pull your eyes off Jesus. And the minute you take your eyes off him, you're not created to live apart from him. You won't know which way to go now. Now you're just guessing. Now you're going to be running around wanting other people to tell you what to do instead of just letting the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. We come to trust God through life's circumstances as we walk in relationship with him. It's wonderful. You're never going to face anything bigger than him. You're never going to face anything that is able to take you out because he's already overcome. So don't don't fear anything. What is the ultimate fear? Death. So what? Death has no sting for us. I mean, why in the world would a Christian worry about dying? I mean... Are, are, don't you, you know, you go to a doctor and they tell you, listen, you have something that there's nothing we can do. You're going to die. Did that doctor tell you anything new? Yes. He told you, you have something going on in your body that could kill you, but don't you already know you're eventually going to die? So what? Cause see, this is what the definition of death is. All you guys are looking at me like, what the heck? It's preaching on death. This is the Bible word death does not mean you cease to exist. It just means separation. Death for a Christian is going to be the most exhilarating feeling we'll ever feel. When we step out of our body and all of a sudden we don't have this flesh anymore. But don't worry, we'll come back and get the body. But the body will look a lot better. It'll, it'll act a lot better. It won't have sickness, no disease, no pain, right? All this stuff. It's wonderful. The blessing of God, is, as we said last week, is released in your life as you trust him. In other words, notice I'm saying trust, confidence. It's the same thing as faith. As you walk in faith, the blessing's able to be released in your life. His presence and his power is in your life. So the whole thing, the enemy does not care. Satan does not care about you. All he wants to do is separate you from your faith. How does he do that? He gets you to look at circumstances instead of looking at the word, instead of looking at Jesus. Because the minute, the minute you take your eyes off Jesus, which is taking your eyes off the word, you start to sink. Why? We're not created to live apart from him. Right? So here's the big one. We must choose to trust him. It's a choice. Everything in life is a choice. You talk to people and they will tell you, well, the reason why my life is this way is because of this situation and that situation. And if I just go here, it'll be better. If I just could do this, it'll be better. If I just had this, it'll be better. And all of that is nonsense. The reason why everybody's life is where it is is because of choices. 
Everything is a choice. Deuteronomy 30.19, God says, listen guys, I've got good news for you. I'm setting before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now you think, well, why is that good news? Because before that, it was only death and cursing. So now God comes on the scene, he cuts covenant, and now it's all pointing to Jesus, but he's saying, now you can choose life. And then he says, in case you don't know what to choose, he says, choose life so that you and your family, your seed, can live. Everything is a choice. So in Psalm 18.2, it's another scripture we went over. Psalm chapter 18, verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler, that means my shield and protector, and the horn of what? Of my salvation. This word horn means the power of my salvation. The Lord is the power of my salvation. And my high tower. That, that word literally, high tower, means my inaccessible place of refuge. There's a place that I have in Him that it's just me and Him. It's inaccessible. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We went over this last week. So then faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is the ability, if you want to say it this way, to trust God. It's being firmly persuaded that what he said is true. It comes by hearing. Not by listening. By hearing. Hearing is allowing the word of God to speak to your heart. You can't hear the word of God unless it's first place in your life, unless you're giving it your undivided attention. If you're living for yourself and you're not living with your eyes on Jesus, you don't hear the word. You just listen to it. And faith never gets birthed in your heart. And hearing by the word of God. So our confidence in God grows progressively Little by little, as we walk out God's plan for our life, your whole life is going to, you're just going to keep growing, keep growing. You're going to think, man, I'm completely full of him. And then 10 minutes later, boom, oh my goodness, now I'm completely full of him. See, for a child of God who walks by faith, you have no sense of lack. If you have a sense of lack in your life right now, your eyes are not on Jesus, they're on your circumstances. And ultimately, you're just living out of the self-centeredness in your flesh. This is why every problem in our lives, every one of our lives, it's not people, it's not circumstances, it's it's not past mistakes, it is what is coming out of my mouth. That's your problem. So if we'll start speaking what he speaks we'll experience the life that he's provided for us. So then it says in Isaiah, another scripture, Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. We went over this last week. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Who will he keep in perfect peace? Whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. It goes here in verse 4, 
Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That word it's not, doesn't only mean strength, it literally means refuge. He is my everlasting refuge. He is my strength. Are you going through something that it just seems like it's not getting better? Listen, if that's starting to move you, your eyes are not on the Lord. Because when your eyes are on the Lord, you have this thing in the DNA of your spirit. It's called long-suffering. It causes you to suffer long with people. And they have another fruit of the spirit. It's called patience, which gives you the ability to have endurance. It's endurance that grows under trial until you see that thing come in line with the word of God. You have something in your spirit called joy. It's another fruit. And as you stir up joy with the words of your mouth, as you face things in life, it'll be your strength and it'll help you overcome things. The Bible defines trusting God as keeping your mind on Him. Boy, we can go home right now, but we're not going to. But we could, right? Don't think about that like that hot roast beef sandwich or that steak you're going to eat. I mean, don't think about just the, you know, or maybe like breakfast, right? No, don't think about that stuff. Isn't that amazing how simple the Bible is? The Bible defines trusting God as simply I'm keeping my mind on him. So in order to do that, guys, you can't just do that living alone. You got to be in a community of believers right? You got to be walking around with people that believe what you believe. This is why God plants people in a local church body. It's the foundation of your Christian education. It's, it's literally you rub up against the people in the church so that they can rub those rough edges off you. Notice I said not you rub the rough edges off them, right? Walk by sight, you're rubbing the rough, rough edges off them. Walk by faith, oh, they're rubbing the rough edges off you. There we go, right? I said this last week, you know if you're in faith. You know if you're completely dependent upon him. You know it because you're not talking about your mountain. You're talking to your mountain. That, that's one way. When you're, when you're walking by sight, you will compare what you're facing to who you are personally. When you're walking by faith, you compare what you're facing to him because you realize my life is hid in him. I mean, I love the way Colossians says it. My life has been tucked away with Jesus in God. Wow. You talk about a safe place. So then we said this, God's word is the seed that will keep you at rest. It's the seed. Now, all these things I'm saying, don't they seem simple? But if you don't meditate on them, you won't see them. So this is something you're going to have to really look at. What are you talking about, Pastor? Man, I mean, we go to this church. You have, we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. Most churches go 50 minutes and they're out. Boom. Come on. No, no. No, you only have to meditate in this Twice a day, I'll be easy on you. And that twice a day is day and night. 24-7, that's right. But, but it's worth it, isn't it? Because you live on a different level. 
God has a different level for you to live. So your trust, we said last week, is expressed in rest. And you can't understand how to trust God without understanding how to enter his rest. And how you enter his rest demonstrates the degree of trust that you have in him. How do I enter his rest? I literally enter his rest when I make a decision to cease trying to figure it out and work it out in my own strength and I literally give it to him and I just thank him that it's done. And what I'm doing now is I'm entering his rest. The degree that you'll be able to do that shows where you are in that road. And don't beat yourself up. If you're having trouble trusting God, just go back and get to know him. Because to know him is to trust him. And you have been created to trust him. It's just how you're wired. It's not natural for you and I to walk by, faith, or walk by sight. It's not natural for us to be concerned about ourselves. That's just our flesh. That's not who we are. It's not natural for us to worry. Why? Because we're born again. We're a world overcomer. Do you think Jesus was worried? Right? Do you think that possibly Jesus was tempted to go, man, I'm going to have to be beaten? Wow, I heard, you know, do you know most people, they didn't beat them, then crucify them. You know that, right? Pilate had him scourged in hopes that they wouldn't crucify him because most people died of that anyway. But Jesus, and I mean, in all of it, after that beating, after all this stuff, he's standing with Pilate. Pilate's going, you know, who do you think you are? Why won't you answer me? I have the power to kill you, or I have the power to set you free. And Jesus just stands there. Power under perfect control, saying, no man takes my life. I got to tell you, I bet, oh, could you imagine Pilate's life after that incident? I wonder if we'll see that guy in heaven. Because, I mean, he's just like, I've never met. I mean, this guy was a Roman leader. He was, he was a killer. And he'd never met anybody as fearless as Jesus. Josephus, the secular historian, Jewish historian of the day that Jesus lived, said this, I stood before the man Jesus, and I feared him more than any army. Yet... Children would come when he's preaching and grab hold of his legs and the disciples are like, oh, get the kids out of here. And he's like, no, 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 let them do it. Let them, you know, right? That's why when kids cry in this sanctuary, man, it just, it, just, it just stirs the anointing within me. I love it. Right? If you love God, you'll love what he loves. He loves people. Loves people. Because he sees, he sees what what they can be with him. Awesome. Entering into God's rest will always demonstrate the degree that you trust him. And trusting God demands that you enter into his rest. You can't say you trust him without ceasing from your own works. Right? When we trust God, we will say what Jesus said. It is finished. See, when you, if you're facing something today, do you know you have, you in Christ, with all the promises you have, you could just go, you know what, 
sickness, disease, weakness, injury, whatever it is, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, fear, it's finished in my life. Done, finished. And you know, the proof that it's finished is not how you feel. The proof that it's finished is found in what he already spoke because his word is forever settled in heaven. So we might as well forever settle it in our life, right? Wow. So let's jump into some new ground here just for a few minutes. So turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. Deuteronomy 6.10. Hallelujah. It says here, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. There we go. To give thee great and goodly cities which you did not build. That's hilarious. So we're in Omaha, Oklahoma, aren't we? Right? Is there an Omaha? Or is it? Here we go. Or Omaha, Texas. So look at what he says here. Now, now remember, this is an example and it's a pattern. It's a pattern. It shows us things as New Testament believers. So we, we've got to see this. It says here, when, it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Look at this. To give thee great and goodly cities, here we go, which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and wells digged which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, when you shall have eaten and be filled and be full, then beware lest you forget the Lord. Do you know what it means to forget the Lord? If you study the Old Testament, if you study the New Testament, forgetting the Lord literally means not keeping his word. You must continue in his word. You must keep his word. You must guard his word. Not doing that means you're forgetting the Lord, which means you're walking by sight. Okay, very simple. Thank God it's so simple. It says here, And beware lest you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. See, he brought us out. We were spiritually dead and he brought us out. We were born again. Now we're free. But now we are not going to go into a land of Canaan like they were given. Our inheritance is spiritual. But we obtain it through faith. The only difference between Old Testament and New Testament is because they were not born again. They were not children of God. They were servants of God. Now God was in covenant and he said, if you will obey me. Now, here's the thing. He gave them the law to obey, which was not meant for them to be flawless. To be honest with you, it was to show them that they couldn't keep it. It was to show them that they would need a Messiah. So 
How were they ever blessed? Because they couldn't keep the law. They would have to do all these sacrifices and shed all the blood of these animals to cover their sin for a period of time so that God could then bless them. So they would do something for God to bless them. But they couldn't really do it, so there had to be all these sacrifices that would cover their sin and inadequacies. The law was meant to bring them to Christ. Jesus fulfilled the law, so now the whole New Testament, we are not under the law, we are under grace. Right? So now, as a New Testament believer, I'm not blessed because of what I do. I'm blessed. It's already done. God says, if you do this, then I will do this. But in a New Testament, God says it's already done. He's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So now, all this stuff in my life that's not doesn't look like what God says has to bow to who I am now in Christ. But I have to lay hold of these promises through faith. So do I have to work? Yes. What is the work? The works... I'm working out what he's working in. I'm not doing my own works anymore. It's it's not obedience to a law. It's obedience to faith. Right? So to be obedient to the faith, I've got to trust him. I've got to rely on him. I've I've got to stop trying to work it out in my own self. Then beware lest you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. See, this is giving us an Old Testament picture of rest. I'm going to give you a house and I'm going to fill it. You won't have to fill it. I'm going to give you wells that you won't have to dig. I'm going to give you cities that you didn't have to build. See, this is, you you don't have to build a kidney to have your kidneys healed. Does that make sense? It's all the blessing of the Lord. I must rest in the finished work of Christ. And this means no more toil. So then if you jump over to Joshua chapter 24 in verse 13, look at, it says this again. Joshua 24, 13. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor. See, you don't have to labor to get the blessing. We labor to enter his rest. Well, what do we labor? I got to take thoughts captive. I got to speak the word of God. I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. I got to keep my flesh under. Notice I didn't say anything. I've got to beat the enemy up. No, he's already beat up. I just use my authority to keep him at bay because he's operating as an outlaw. He has no legal right. He's been defeated. He's been stripped. He operates as an outlaw now. So now I use the name of Jesus to keep him at bay. And I have given you a land for which you do not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them, and of vineyards and olive yards which you did not plant, you eat. Listen, one thing you see in the Bible, if God did it once, he'll always do it again. If he did it for one, he's provided it for all. That's a biblical principle. God gave them something without their labor. 
See, but we're not talking about rest from work. What that is, rest from work, is inactivity. The Bible says if you don't work, you won't eat. We're talking about rest in work. When you go to work tomorrow, you're going to, be, you're going to have the opportunity to toil, but you don't have to. Yeah, but you don't understand my boss, my situation. Then take authority over it and watch God change it. God will move you into a place where you don't have to toil. If he's got to remove people, he'll do that. Or he'll take you and put you someplace else. But here's the thing. If you don't trust him, many times if he's moving you, it seems like you're going backwards. And if you don't trust him... You don't understand. I'm going to make less money. No, no, no. Just, just trust him. Because with him, you'll never ultimately make less money. Because sometimes he moves you over here to catapult you over here. But as you follow the Lord, he'll always make sure you're in the right place at the right time. Have you heard me say that before? With the right heart doing the right thing. Right? It's so true. We're not talking about rest from work. We're talking about rest in work. In what work? We're working out what he's working in. God wants us resting while we are working. We're not, we, we're not created to work out of stress, worry, or care. Our bodies can't even handle that. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, says this. Hebrews 4, 1 let us therefore fear, this word fear means, let us therefore be cautious, be aware, and be diligent. This is what the word is telling us in Hebrews. Let us be cautious, let us be aware, and let us be diligent, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. You don't want to come short of entering his rest. So remember, what entering his rest is, is literally trusting him. It's, it's, it's believing his word. It's walking by faith. In other words, let's, let's show respect to, to that which God has said and then walk it out by walking by faith. That's what it's saying here. Verse 2 for unto us the gospel, or was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, as well as unto the children of Israel. The gospel was preached to them. What did God say all the time? I've already given you this land. I've already given you this land. I've already given you this land. See, the gospel was preached to them. It's preached to us. You're hearing the gospel today. But it says, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because they didn't mix it with faith. When, so when they heard the gospel, they didn't leave and go, man, if they would have walked around that land, technically from Egypt to the promised land, the Jordan River was an 11-day journey. I wonder what would have happened if they would have just came out of Egypt, went through the Red Sea, and just said, wow. Man, we, we have the promised land. God's already given it to us. We're more than conquerors. But they didn't do that. They didn't mix faith with the word that they heard. They walked around murmuring. 
we don't have water, we don't have this, I'm sick of manna, you know, and all this stuff. And, and so the murmuring in the Old Testament, what did it do? The Bible says murmuring brings the destroyer into a person's life. We don't want to open doors with our mouth. So to walk in the promise of God, you've got to mix faith with it. That means you've got to always have the word in your heart and always coming out of your mouth. Does that make sense? Very simple. The gospel. What is the gospel? If I could define the gospel, it's literally simply the grace of God. It's what God, through Christ, has already done for us. That's the gospel. The news that was too good to be true was the news about the grace of God. It's too good to be true. What do you mean? You mean I could accept God's life in exchange for my life. That's a pretty good deal. That'd be like me trading in my Toyota Avalon for, you know, a 7 Series BMW on steroids or some supercar. Actually, that can't even compare to that, right? It's like when I was in a cultural anthropology class in college, my first semester of college. I was young, had a big mouth, and was stupid. And, uh, you know, when they, when they said they were talking about the Big Bang Theory and talked about how evolution's no longer theory, it's a fact. You know, I said, that's ridiculous in class. That didn't go over very big. <laughs> and I was driving a 73 Brown Maverick uh, that I couldn't keep my basketball in the trunk because it had so much rust. And I'm living in Southern California, so people in Southern California would look at a car with rust all over it and go, there, there's no snow here. What, yeah. right? So, yeah, why would you have rust, right? I mean, it was so bad. I was at my girlfriend's house one time, and uh, some Hispanic young men came up, and they're like, hey, uh, we're going through neighborhoods, and we'll fix your car. And for like 200 bucks, they bondoed my whole car. It was phenomenal. Right out in front of my girlfriend's house. It was phenomenal. It was great. I was so excited. But then it took me forever to get it painted, so I had big gray things, right? But I said to the teacher, I'm like, so that would kind of like me being, uh, you know, I'd blow, I could blow up my Ford Maverick and I'd have a Ferrari, right? And everybody laughed and then he kicked me out of the class. But we became <laughs> friends. We became friends. I, he never accepted the Lord, but almost did one day. So he did ask me to leave a few times. I promised him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. So Acts, yeah, let's get back here because this is ridiculous. I, and and all, you, all you parents are like putting your ears over your students, right? <laughs> Pastor Edwin's like, no. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says this. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me. Here's a key to walking by faith and walking at rest. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why? So that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. See, to preach the gospel, I've got to preach what Paul preached. But if I'm going to finish my course in this life with joy, I can't count my life dear to myself. Do you see that? You've got to give it up. Now, this is what's really cool. When you give your life to Christ, guess what he does? 
He gives it back to you and says, okay, I want to encourage you to walk according to my word. But notice, he won't make you because he gave you a free will. So don't let yourself get hooked into the flesh. Galatians chapter 1, we're kind of coming down the hill here. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, says this. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would, pervert, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the gospel of the grace of God. It's what God, through Christ, has provided. So if you're hearing preaching that says sometimes God is good to you, but sometimes he's not good to you to teach you things, that is a doctrine that's not in the word of God, so it's perverting the gospel of Christ. Well, if you hear a gospel that, boy, this is not going to do much for my popularity everywhere, but, you know, I don't really care about that. So, but if, if you hear a gospel that says God heals some, but not everyone, that's not the gospel. That's a perversion of the gospel because God is no respecter of persons. He has provided healing for all in the same way he died for all man's sins. He died for all man's sicknesses and diseases. He is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for all. I don't care how many numbers or, le or letters you have behind your name. I don't care how big your church is. The Bible says the, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness. That means if he would do something for Leanne that he would not do for me, that's variableness. God never does that. Whatever he's done for one, he'll do for you. So if you see one example in the Bible of healing, he'll heal your body. Or we should say it correctly, he's provided healing for you already. But we don't just have one. We've got a lot. See, he doesn't bless some and not others. This is not a no-fault gospel. We have a part to play. God has provided everything literally by his grace. We lay hold of it and bring it into our lives through faith. Very, very important. See, there's not really a gospel of healing and a gospel of prosperity. There is the gospel of Christ, which is the gospel of grace, which includes all of it. Do you see that? Very simple. Prosperity, healing, deliverance, wholeness, peace, all these things came as a result of God's grace. Remember this, never forget this, God's power always flows through his grace. Always. Faith comes by hearing God's word. So you hear God's word and then you mix God's word with faith. How do you do that? By speaking it. And what happens as you speak it, 
day and night, over and over. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8.11, is in me right now, quickening my mortal body, healing my mortal body, restoring it to health, making it whole. As you keep that switch of faith turned on, the power of God flows through the grace of God and changes your body, changes your finances, changes everything in your life. See, you hear the word of God, you mix God's word with faith by speaking it, and then you act on your faith to get the results. Faith, see, Martin Luther, it's it said of him, he, he really, really disagreed with James. Especially chapter 1, verse 24, where it says a man's not justified by faith alone but also by works, which is corresponding action. you got to put corresponding action to your faith, always. But what is the corresponding action? I don't know what the corresponding action for you is. But as you hear the word and you speak the word, all of a sudden on the inside of you, there's going to be something that you're going to be prompted to do. And you start doing that. And as you're walking that out, man, the power of God flows through the grace of God and changes the situation. It's the way it always works. It's the way it works. It's simple. And it's always a rest. You must mix faith with the gospel of grace to profit from it. So this is the reason why some receive and some don't. It's the only reason. But you can receive you might have to do like me and get over yourself, right? But have you noticed if you keep looking at the circumstances, what happens now, it will cause you to withdraw from God. Why are so many out of church? Believers that are out of church is because their eyes are not on the Lord. Their eyes are on what they perceive is wrong with the church. Well, okay. I mean, if you want a perfect church and you want to go there, the, the good news is there is one. The bad news, it's not on this planet, right? And you have to kind of step out of your body to go there. But if you want to really look at Bible perfection, it doesn't mean flawless. It means adjust and repair. It means wholehearted. Then, yeah, we're the perfect church. Man, I'm always adjusting and repairing. Sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, okay, I've read 45 books on marriage. I'm about halfway, over halfway through them again. How in the world can I have just acted like I'd acted to my wife? Right? I meditate in this. I teach this. I could quote the scriptures. I cry over them. And then I, sometimes I'll get my eyes off Jesus and start being an idiot. But the cool thing is, there's this anchor that pulls me right back. And I'm like, thank you. And, and what's really cool is the anchor is so strong in me that I don't beat myself up for it afterwards. You know, I, I do whatever he prompts me to do, but then I no guilt, no shame, no condemnation, because I know all those things will drag me back into the sin. God designed us to operate out of rest. We're not made to operate out of stress. So you, I'll just close with this. Actually, I'm going to close with that. 
He, he designed you. He equipped you. He created you to operate out of rest. So in closing, realize it's not in you to know your own way. The Holy Spirit of God is in you to guide you into all the truth, to guide you in your path. Live your life completely dependent upon him. Learn to trust him as you get to know him and you'll walk in his faith or you'll walk by his faith. You'll walk in his love and you'll be able to be led by his spirit and he'll lead you into everything. Not hard, not complicated, simple. The enemy will jump on your shoulder and say, well, you just don't know enough. No, no, it's not about that. Isaiah 119 said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So being willing and obedient, guess what? You could decide that right now. Isn't that good news? I hope this has helped you today. God loves you. He's here to help you. He knows who you are. Don't play games with him. But I got to tell you, he's greater than any mistake you've ever made. He's greater than your past. And he has a future for you. And you are not disqualified for it. Right. Amen.